Today I want to talk about getting used to different, second part of the message, second, second message on the theme, I guess. And again, if you didn't notice my t-shirt, it's got a school of fish going around in a circle, and there's one big fish that's white, and he's going the opposite direction, and a, and a few of the other fish are now flipping around and following him. This is actually the introduction to every episode of The Chosen, of the life of Jesus that's, that's being viewed. You can watch it for free on YouTube or uh, Pure Flix or about 10 different channels. And um, I encourage you guys, if you haven't done our youth group is actually going to start watching it, an episode, every time they meet and using it as a discussion guide because it'll make, it definitely will uh, create discussion. So this morning, um, we're going to talk about getting used to different again. That's why I'm wearing the t-shirt. I have been thinking a lot about what's going on in our nation, and I'm sure most of you are. And uh, my, my thoughts basically go two different directions. One is God's going to do, pull something out of the hat and bring our nation back to Him and get us back on course. Or, secondly, we are really moving into the end times. Boy, it's really quiet in here. Anybody else thinking, wondering the same kinds of things? So, I don't know for sure which way it's going to go. I know we can't put our hope in man, but in the same, the same thing, we also know this nation really came about miraculously. And God has saved this nation through some very, very difficult times and brought amazing revivals to this nation. And I just don't want to just say, oh, I guess it's gone. America's going down the tubes. I don't want, I don't want to let go. I want to continue to fight in my, on my, in my knees and on my, in my prayers for the United States of America to be a nation which is righteous, by and large righteous, and a nation which, which will actually come back to the Lord. So I've been thinking about those things. And, and if it doesn't go that direction, things are really going to change quickly. I really feel that's going to be the case. And again, that's not me prophesying. I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor, teacher. But I am looking, like it says in Proverbs, the wise man looks down the road, sees trouble coming, and goes around it, makes provision for it. And a fool goes on and is punished. So... The one thing I'm really sure of is that where we are going, we have never been before, and we can't look behind us as a point of reference for how to deal with the future. And I feel like God is speaking to us and calling us to be open to some, doing some things differently as a, as a church, as a local church, as people, the body of Christ. I want to read... Um, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. This is from the God's Word translation. Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do. It's happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness 
and give you streams of water there. The Lord is saying, don't cling to the past. Be ready to accept something new that He is bringing. So how many of you guys enjoy Star Trek or did when you were younger? Since I don't know, Star Trek's still going, isn't it? Yeah, it just keeps changing. I'm, I'm one of the original Trekkies. Watched William Shatner from the 60s. I got to see the first Trouble with Tribbles. Honestly, I'm that old, I know. Hard to believe. And, but on Star Trek, we had a race of people that were big and gruff, and they were called the Klingons. There we go. There's a good Trekkie. We do not want to be Klingons. Isaiah says, he says, do not cling on to the past. Don't hold on to those things the way it's always been. It's not going to service you for what's coming down the pike in the future. We have to be ready for something new. Now, that word new is scary because it means change. How many of you just love change? I don't see any hands. I don't love change either. Change makes me insecure because it asks the question, are you ready to do something you've never been ready to do before? Change is hard. But God, at different times, calls us to embrace the new. Especially when the old is definitely not doing it for us. He says here not to cling on to the past, but to watch for the new thing that he's doing. That means we've got to focus. How many of you have memorized Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where it talks about fixing your eyes or your gaze or your focus on Jesus. That's what's going to bring us through is following him. Remember in Revelation 7, or I think it says that, the 144,000, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And you get this picture in your mind of the Lamb going here and then changing direction, going there, and then going here. And there's a group of people, they're all following Him. And they're, every time He changes direction a little bit, they change direction. We have got to be people that are committing ourselves to follow Jesus wherever He is going. What happens if he goes somewhere and we don't? That's called being lost. That's called being vulnerable. It's called being at risk. I don't want to see any of you lost. Remember Jesus said of his own disciples, Father, I haven't lost any of them except the one. And he was destined to be lost because of his choices. That was Judas, right? Jesus doesn't want to lose any of his sheep either. In fact, in Isaiah, it says in a different place that, that he comes along with the mothers, the new mothers and the lambs, to make sure that they can keep up. I love that about our God. It tells me so much about his nature, his character, that he cares enough that he cares about the ewe lambs and their lambs so that they are able to stay together with the flock. But being able to go forward together into the new thing God has requires that we are committed 
to walking together as well as walking with Jesus. Now notice the last thing I want to point out in the scriptures is he's going to make a road through a wilderness and give you streams of water there. Now my, there's a slide up there. My brother got a uh, bulldozer. There it is. That was my grandfather's 1939 Caterpillar, Caterpillar D2. That when I was a kid, I rode on that thing with my grandpa when he was doing work. My grandpa was a home builder. And my dad inherited it. Now my brother inherited it, and my brother restored it. It looks a heck of a lot better than it did 10 years ago, 1939. But my brother is building roads where there never been roads with that old caterpillar, as well as he, as he lives in Spokane. It's up northwest corner of Washington, and he gets a lot of snow, so he plows snow with it too. But um, Jesus said, or God said, I'm going to build roads in a wilderness. Now, is a wilderness normally where you build a highway? No, it's not. Good for you. And so God is telling us, I'm going to do things that don't line up with your logic. And I'm going to do things that you think sound impossible. Roads or a highway in a wilderness. And I'm going to bring streams or rivers of water in a desert. But I believe God is saying those two things to us because he wants us to believe that he's going to lead us in places that we can't have not expected we would go and thought were impossible. And secondly, he's going to bring provision, streams of water that we had no idea that we were going to need and that he could bring. Those are meant to comfort you and me, that God's going to lead us into new places and he's going to provide for us in those places as we go along. So two weeks ago, we talked about Two ways that change, I believe the Lord Jesus is saying, change needs to come to Calvary Assembly as a, as a church family. First of all, in our services, I believe change, God wants to bring change. And we're kind of like fleshing this out as we go. He wants us to become more biblical in our large group gatherings. Now, if you've been raised in church in the United States of America then you think church is church. But how many of you know that our church is, to a large degree, a cultural expression of the church and not necessarily the New Testament pattern of the church? And so we're, one of the things we're doing is I'm challenging you to look at what the New Testament describes the church looking like and being like and then you sharing those ideas and we're all sharing ideas together and moving forward and, and, and asking God, Lord, how do we do this? And learning to do it together. I want to read um, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 just as an example of this. And before I say that, just want to notice in, the, in Ephesians 4, 11, it talks about Jesus giving five different offices or roles to the church for the work of equipping and developing and maturing the believers. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, also called shepherds, it's the same word, and teachers. 
In the American church, 99% of the time, how many of those roles do you see in a large group meeting? One or two. Pastor, teacher. We don't. What happened to the apostles? What happened to the prophets? What happened to the evangelists? Well, evangelists come through and visit about once every six months, and we take a love offering for them. But is that what Jesus said? These are gifts that are given to the church for the development of the saints. So let me read 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, what are we doing here? We're meeting together, right? Okay. One will sing or have a song. Another will teach. Another will share some special revelation that God has given them, which we also would call prophecy or, or word of knowledge or word of wisdom or discernment. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. How long has it been since we've seen that happen? But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. That's, first, that's the church in Corinth. Corinth is in, in Greece. Does that church look like, does our church look, look like that church? No, it doesn't. So just one of the things that I would love to see change is to see more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gifted people in this room begin to step up and minister to make room for that, an opportunity for that. And up until COVID hit and it kind of knocked us sideways, we were making time every week for people to have prophetic words. And Terry, raise your hand, Terry. Terry is one of our gatekeepers. If you had a word, felt like God was speaking something to you, you could share with Terry, she would share with me, and we determined if it was for now and for us, or it was for you, and maybe we're at a different time. Because we're all trying to grow together in, in uh, discerning those things. But prophecy is just one gift, too. There's a lot of, there's many gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, I asked you guys, well, I'm going to read Acts first. Let's read again what I read two weeks ago. Acts chapter 2, verses 42, 44, and 46. These are what the first church looked like when after the day of Pentecost and all these believers got saved on the day of Pentecost and are now the early church. They're the first church in Jerusalem. Okay, Now, they're going to, of course, express some things that are cultural to them. That's just because of who they are. But I believe we can learn from this. Okay, you want to read it out loud together with me? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in... What was that? Homes. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And then chapter 5, verse 42 that on there too it is and every day in the temple and from house to house what was that house to house they continued to teach and preach this message jesus is the messiah 
Okay. So, what elements... I asked you guys to think about looking at this passage. What are some things in our large group meeting, we call our services, do we see there that we need to maybe see here? We aren't seeing. When you look at that, first of all, are we having any teaching? Yeah, teaching we've got nailed, okay? Although I would love to be one of many voices. I really would. In a group like this, this morning, how many teachers do you think might be in this room? More than one? I hope so. I would hope there would be some. If God has given you an ability and a gift and a passion to teach and study His Word, what are you doing with it? How are you strengthening the body of Christ? Or are you sitting on that gift? Or maybe God has called you to use it in a different format. I don't know. But you should be asking yourself, if God is pouring into me, am I damming it up? Or am I sharing those things that God is giving me? I would love to have two or three of you every Sunday have approached me during the week as a pastor. I was studying this week. And God just really spoke to me this powerful truth out of His Word. And you know what I'm going to say to you? Get ready to share it on Sunday morning. Because we all need to hear that. I do not have a corner on the market of teaching and preaching. I want to raise up people to be disciples that are equipped to minister to God's people. Okay, what's the next one? Fellowship. Does a lot of fellowship happen in a big group meeting like this? Or do you mostly look at the heads of the people in front of you? If you're lucky to be around a table, at least you get to look in some faces. Is the, is the service the best place for fellowship? No, it's not. It's not. So we need to make opportunities for people to fellowship together Usually that's around a meal, and we're going to talk about more about meals in a sec. But also in smaller groups. When you're in a group of 50 to 75 people, are you able to have a quality conversation with anybody? No. Usually there's one talking head going on, and everybody else is listening, right? And that can be a problem too. But there is a time and a place for one person to speak to a group. And so we need to each be a part of something where we actually have face-to-face -face relationship with a small group of believers where we can discuss God's Word, we can ask the hard questions, we can encourage one another, we can pray for one another, we can cry together, or whatever, we can rejoice together. Fellowship and sharing in meals. How many of you like to eat? Good, good. That shouldn't be hard, right? So one of the things I envision is small groups that gather and have a meal together and then maybe watch an episode of The Chosen or something. We have, an, we have a subscription with Right Now Media, which has got a catalog of thousands and thousands and thousands of Christian resources, Bible studies, conferences, sermons, Bible... Oh all kinds of stuff for kids, 
teenagers, adults, men, women, veterans, elderly, you name it. Many of you have already tapped into that. There's resources on every topic you can think of. And it's all free for you. Because our church pays for a monthly subscription. It's available to every single one of you to watch for free. All you got to do is type in the, the, uh, the, the, the name and the password. And if you need the name and the password, I'll, just let me know and I'll send you an invitation, a link, and you just click on it, type in that username and password, and you've got it in your living room. How many of you already have right now media to say, yeah, we've already got it? Okay, so there's a bunch of you that don't. You need to let me know so I can get you that link and you are invited to have it. It's an amazing resource. You don't need to do a fancy Bible study where you spend 20 minutes preparing yourself or half an hour or two hours preparing yourself. You can just click on a 20-minute segment of Right Now Media on whatever topic you're interested in, marriage, um, politics, second coming of Jesus, whatever it is. There's tons of amazing, good quality resources. You can watch it together as a small group and talk about it while you eat and then pray together. And uh, God will knit you closer together. They shared everything they had. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Do you notice that? Where are they taking communion? Sacrilege. They're taking communion outside the church building. The pastor isn't doing communion. Somebody else is. We were actually in a, in a church in Romania where nobody in that church except the pastor could lead a home group. Unless they had a deacon, they'd gone to college and got their deacon certificate. They could not lead communion. They couldn't baptize anybody because they had it all locked up so that only the hierarchy could do it. That's really, really not biblical. I would love to see groups sharing communion together in homes. We might do it differently around here just to help you break out of the mold. Every day, they from house to house. I've got to move on or I'm not going to get through half my sermon today. So I asked you guys to think of different aspects of our service, the things that we could try to do more biblically. And uh, that's what, one of the things on this response card. No, it's not. Sorry. It's on a different response card. But what I do want you to do is I want you, when you think of ideas, Pastor, have we ever tried to do it this way? I want you to know I'm not one of those pastors that goes, no, we've always done it this way. I really am interested, okay, in hearing your ideas. Because we, if you, even if you don't have ideas, we may spring some ideas on you and do things differently. Because I believe God wants us to be flexible and he wants us to move towards more of a New Testament model. The outcome being that we are tightly knit together relationally as a people. So that when... We hit trials and testing and persecution. We're not going to scatter. We're going to flex. You know, how many of you have had one of Grandma's comforters in your home? Anybody? Dad, I've got Grandma's comforter. And they're, they're, they're woven with yarn and, and kind of like they look, they're really beautiful. But the nice thing about a comforter is you can punch it, right? And it'll just kind of and absorb the punch come back to its form we are called to be that way we are called to be so knit together that when the enemy hits us 
All we do is kind of spread out a little bit and then come back together. We don't break, we simply expand and be, are flexible. Anybody want to be that way? That's who God's called us to be. And I'll tell you what, if we're all a whole bunch of islands, when the bomb is dropped in the middle of us, we're all going to be scattered. If we are a comforter that is knit together, tied together relationally through friendships, through love, we're going to have each other's backs and the enemy is not going to be able to destroy us and scatter the flock. Okay, so let's, let's um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and look at number two. Let's look at doing life together outside the church service, the large group meeting. Let's look at that some more. So, go to the next slide, please, Dale. So we read that already. Let's go to the next one. Okay. So we read here that this isn't happening inside a church meeting. The apostles are performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. All the believers are meeting regularly at the temple at a place known as Solomon's Colonnade or Porch. That's a 30 by 50 cubic uh, or cubit area. It's a, it's a, it was a lean-to, like a shed roof, built on the edge of the temple. That was not where the church services were held. Okay, it was outside the main temple. It was a place, it was just a great meeting place for believers to hang out together. And so believers all started hanging out there off and on throughout their week. And were, there would always be somebody sharing out of the word and somebody praying for people, people doing miracles and healing the sick and so on. And so that's where they hung out. They said no one else dared join them even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing in the sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and some of them were healed. What? I had a lot of you fooled. You were listening to me and not watching, reading the word, reading the word there. All of them were healed. Well, hey, I thought Jesus had already ascended into heaven. All the miracles are supposed to be done, right? Who's doing the miracles here? The believers. Oh, only the original 12 disciples, Brooks said. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. No, they, they start out modeling that, but pretty soon you have guys like Philip and Stephen and just unknown believers that are doing miracles. Yes, Terry. We don't pray for the sick. We're not going to see the sick here. Goes. 
Oh, it goes up radically, yeah. You start praying for everybody we can pray for. I really want to see that happen here. Okay. This peop- did, did the disciples tell people in, this, in the Acts, these early chapters here of Acts, did they have to tell the believers, to, you guys need to go meet in homes. You guys need to have small group meetings. Did we see that anywhere? No. Why did they do that? Why did these people meet, in, meet together in small groups and meet in homes? Meet two on two, three on three. Why did they do that? I'm expecting an answer. Yeah, they were excited to share what Jesus was doing in their life. What else? That's another reason people would meet in a smaller group. Yeah, they got questions. They've got ideas they want to share. And you don't want to get up here with a microphone and go, yeah, I got a question, because you're afraid you might look like an idiot, right? But if you're in a small group of five or seven people, you say, hey, I, you know, I heard the apostle say this the other day, and I wasn't sure what he meant by that. What do you guys think? And, and then you've got a small group. You share those kinds of things. What's another reason that you would meet together in a small group like that? Relationships. Yeah. To develop Christian friends. How many of you need to have friends in your life? All right. Yeah. So this morning, I, I don't know, I better not be too hard on you yet anyway. I'm just going to ask you how many of you are meeting with a group of four, five, six, seven believers in between Sunday mornings. There's a few. There's a few. Good. There's more and more. Okay. Let me talk about some of the stuff that's already happening here at Calvary. Sam, stand up. Samantha, this is Samantha. She came up to me at the, at the end of, the, of 2020 and said, Pastor, I just have on my heart, I want to gather women together so we can talk and we can pray together and we can talk, do Bible study, whatever. We just need, we need each other. I said, oh, Sam, that's exactly what I want to see happen too. She did it the first Wednesday they did it. They had 11 ladies. And I heard it was killer. I heard it was really good. I almost wanted to sneak in there, get a wig and sneak in there. No, not allowed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's happening every Wednesday now, 6.30 here. So ladies, what a great opportunity. If you don't have a small group of, of, of godly women to meet with, this is the place to do it. So that's just one. Uh, I want to see, we already see um, a men's fellowship. We're working on developing that getting guys together. With our, with our town being a three-shift town, we're going to have to have a guys' meeting in the mornings, a one morning every couple weeks or a month, and then also an evening meeting for guys to work morning shifts, but they have evenings open. We just got to try to work with the shifts that we have in our town, but we are going to do that. In fact, Don Desjardins, who just passed away from a heart attack last week, and we had his funeral Friday, we were going to meet. He was part of our group of of men's leaders that was going to be putting this all together. Bryce is helping me. Uh, Brett is helping me. Dale is helping me. And uh, hopefully I can enlist some of you other guys too. But men need friendships too, right? I'm hearing ladies. 
Men need friendships too. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel. Thank you, Jackie. We got visitors here that got the answers better than our own guys. So, no, we do. We do. I need friends. You guys do too. So we're going to be working on that. Um, our worship team. They are a small group, right? Are you guys starting to bond together a little bit more and trying? So pray for their leader. He's learning to pastor his worship team. That's a challenge. But I really want to see things like happen, like The Chosen, a, a group that would just meet and watch a, an episode of The Chosen. I mean, that's the life and the ministry of Jesus right there in your face. And there's so much you could grow and learn in there. Um, I would love to see women who are now in business, like Shelly and Nikki and Destiny and, and uh, others, that would maybe have... Uh, Jessica, she's a businesswoman. Love to see some of you ladies. I know I'm missing people. You guys have so much in common. Just to be able to get together in the Lord and encourage one another. and Say, here's what I did when I had this problem or whatever. Or here's a resource you could use. There's so many things that we could do. But to see each one of us connecting with others, other godly men and women in our life, in between big group services, so that we can grow and develop in Christ and begin to use and learn what our spiritual gifts are. Rowan, I like that, man. Say amen some more. That's Asher Rowan. Isn't he a sweetie? <laughs> our JBQ parents could meet together as a support system. We could really use a missionary support, support group. There's so many different things we could do under, under this small group idea. Our youth are working on putting together some service projects. And so that's another area where we're seeing some people. You, Jennifer has actually developed a team of, of adult leaders that are helping there, Kelly and Jay and some of you other ones in here. And uh, that's actually, a, a, you guys are, as a small group, God's doing stuff. That's really wonderful. Terry's been part of that, I think. So I could go on and on and on, but I, I don't want to do that right now. I'm going to be talking about this more again. So I really want to... Pull out this card now and just look at it real quick. The third point I'm not going to talk about today is, is how these, this, these people in the early church were connecting with their community outside the church. That'll be a subject for another message. Today, I, want to, I really want to ask you about your involvement with believers between Sundays between Sundays, because we meet on Sunday morning. By the way, do we have to meet on Sunday mornings? No. We can meet any time of the week we want, or we can. So, on this response card, and I really ask that you guys would fill this out, it gives me an idea how we're doing. And I can also encourage you. So it has three questions. First one is mine, or three lines for you to comment on. My involvement with other Calvary folks between Sundays looks like this. You can put, I don't have any involvement, or you could put, I meet with so-and-so, or you can put, we have a small group I'm involved in with this, like worship team or the prayer team or whatever. And then it has a line that says, I'm interested in this. Maybe it would re be uh, retired men who like to hunt and kill deer, and pheasants, and turkeys. It might be, might be uh, 
women that like to quilt. There's so many things. If you have an interest and you like to do something together with other godly men and women, write it in there. The second section is for women in particular. My connection to other Calvary women is blank. Maybe you come to Wednesday nights here with a group of Sam leads. And then it says, I am interested in. And then the third one is for men. When I, I am available to get together, it's the when question. I am available to get together on and put down what day of the week would work for you. Okay? It might be Saturday, whatever it would be. You basically, you can just say, my days off are, or whatever. And then write down what your shift is. Because about a third of the people in this town work graveyards, and about a third work swing, and a third work days. It's a pretty um, overwhelming schedule for the people who work in our community. It's really crazy. And then, please put your name on it. And if you have, also men, if you had ideas on a particular topic you'd be interested in, I didn't put a line down there for that. Put that in there. And then please drop that in the offering box. And the, when the deacons open the offering box to count the offering, they'll put these on my desk. So last thing I forgot to do and I want to do is that you guys may have grabbed one of these, but these are also on that table over there. These are the 36 one another's of the New Testament. Did you know that there are 36, 36 different times, different ways that the New Testament authors, whether it's Jesus speaking or one of the apostles, says to do this to one another. Now, one another tends to mean something done relationally, right? One another. Can somebody just guess one? Blank one another. Love one another. You know that it, how many times it says that in the New Testament? I've, I've counted 15. 15 times it says to love one another. Do you think that's to be taken seriously? Wow. What's another one? Pray for one another. Yes. Good. Encourage one another. Yeah. I'm going to read just a few of them, but you, I want you to take one of these sheets home, one per family, okay? Take one of these home, put this on your refrigerator, Shelly, and every time Bryce says something mean to you, I'm just kidding, Bryce doesn't say mean things, that's why I picked you, but you could say to Bryce, Bryce, it says stop passing judgment on one another, but Bryce, it says greet one another with a holy kiss, four times. So, and then it also says, don't bite and devour one another, or you'll be destroyed by one another. That's for people that are getting on each other's case. So I encourage you to take one of these home. These, this is going to be a stimulus for you to think about, I need to have more relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So please take one of those home. So this morning, I want to close in prayer, but I just want to challenge you if you're isolated, you're vulnerable. How many of you hunters know that when there's a big herd of caribou up in Alaska or Canada, and there's a pack of wolves, 
that is hungry, which caribou do the wolves kill? The one that is not connected to the herd, right? The one that gets separated. Which person in the church does the enemy have the most success in attacking? The person who is not connected to their brothers and sisters. Are you connected this morning? If you aren't and you don't like what we have to connect to, let's talk. We can come up with a group of people and an interest that you probably would really enjoy. And maybe it's your idea that will be the idea that leads it. But you need to have godly friends that will encourage you and have your back, especially in the days ahead. Am I, can I be any clearer? I'm trying to be as clear as I can. We need the accountability. We need the encouragement. We need the strength. We need the questions. There's so many reasons we need one another. So let's close in prayer. Gracious God, I just ask that you bless your people and help us to really take this seriously and to remember that we're going to have to get used to different. That it's going to be uncomfortable, at least to start with, for many of us. We have had the luxury in this nation and the wealth to have our own little house surrounded by a fence and automatic garage doors that we can pull our car in, shut the door behind us, and we are now in our own castle. We've got a TV, a computer, cell phones, food in the fridge. We don't need anybody until our world changes. And when our world changes, who will we have? Father, help us to think ahead now and see the trouble coming to begin to build those bridges, to begin to develop those relationships, to be able to begin to take risks and, and open up our lives and our hearts to other people who love you. God, we pray that if there's any here that this morning who don't know you, Lord, that today would be the day they'd open their heart, say, Jesus, I need to know my sins are forgiven. I need to know that I have a relationship with God. I have peace with God, that I am saved, that I that eternity is secured for me and that I can now walk with my Savior every day. Lord, Lord, we ask you would lead us ahead into the future. Lord, we don't know what this week's going to unfold to look like. We know last week was just nuts. The week before that was just crazy. God, our world is just so not like it ever has been. We have never come this way before. And we need you, Lord, a Savior, to lead us in this new thing that you want to do in our midst. We just thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We commit to you the rest of our day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Have an 